0: Dude, getting this all set up, I felt like I was dusting off the DeLorean.
1: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Movies Last Night. Zach, I was going to do this thing where I was was thinking about it. I was going to have like cut in... I couldn't decide if I wanted to have the sound of footsteps or the sound of like a horse like kind of outside your window. And then I was going to cut it in and be all dramatic. And then it was going to be like, oh, I think somebody's at the door. And then I was going to have like a knock knock sound. And then I was going to be, oh, guess who it is? It's the Southern Gentleman. And I was going to, had it all planned out. If I was going to do an intro for you along the lines of that, what would you like?
0: Well, when you said it, I immediately thought of uh, Lawrence Fishburne as the cowboy from Pee Wee Herman. <laughs> Look who's at the window today! It's a Southern gentleman.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, so something along the lines of that, then.
0: Yeah, just pop on in, give you give you some uh, some knowledge from my end of the view. So, yeah, I uh, I think that'd be a funny intro right there.
1: So, Zach, long time no see, or at least on the podcast. Twenty twenty three, give me your top five. Favorite experiences at the movie theater this year.
0: You said best movie experiences. Uh, I will tell you the worst one was I did go see the Meg 2, the trench. That was the worst. It was the worst. I didn't want to walk out because I paid, you know, nighttime ticket prices for it. But it was hot garbage, dude. Hot garbage.
1: Did you cancel your AMC Stubbs membership?
0: Mine comes up again for renewal October 27th. But yes, because uh, April and May and June were so bad, I just end up canceling it. And you know, I've randomly seen seen movies since then. But I mean, this fall and winter time, you know, it's gonna be the perfect time for me to re-up on it at the end of October.
1: I was just having that conversation the other day. I was thinking about canceling mine. I'll put it on pause for a while. Um, only just because it's not because of like this summer was rough for movies in general. Probably this is the the roughest year I remember in a long time. I honestly feel like this year is worse than 2020 because at least in 2020, you had an excuse that there's nothing coming out. And I mean, I know there's an excuse now. I'm not saying that the, the, like, I know I understand with the whole, the strike and everything, and I know why everything keeps getting pushed. But in general, I think like, even if the stuff that was supposed to came out, come out, came out it still would have been a pretty slow year compared to the past few years. It's been really slow.
0: Yeah. I think it's going to kick in just because all those pandemic movies pretty much have been released. So we're going to be getting a fresh batch of, you know, full cast, full extras, you know, full everything. So I think the new year end of the new year will be crazy good, but I'll let you know if you pause that, uh, the a list, you have to wait six months.
1: Oh, and it sucks. Well, the only reason I'm thinking about doing it isn't because I don't want to go to the theaters. I mean, I'll go and see any old shit at the theater. I don't care. I just like the experience. The problem is, is where I live now, That I don't have a good... I have an AMC that's like two blocks from where I live. It's really close. Um, The closest I've ever lived to a movie theater. It's really close. But it sucks. It's really old. And then there's another one, which is... About a 20, 30 minute drive away for me, which is doable, but it's another really old one. So they're both like really, really run down and they're not in the best condition and the screens suck. They built it more or less in strip malls here and almost the looks like they used to be in like a food line and they turned it into an AMC. And the technology, that I don't think they've updated their projectors since they initially went digital. So it's like first wave digital projectors. It's bad, dude. It's really bad.
0: They got that DLP. I remember when Carmike, before they were AMC, put in those digital, and that was supposed to be like the grand, you know, renovation. But
1: it's really rough because I um there's a few movies I seen. I, I saw Voyager the Demeter, which is a, a like a visually very striking movie. I think it's shot really cool. And the whole time I'm watching it, I'm like, the screen sucks. I'd rather be watching it at home. You know, so <laughs> the experience is still there, but I just I I can't do that old, it's it's really bad. And I think we were spoiled, uh, especially when I was living back in Tennessee, you know, spoiled with having the Dolby screen, having the uh, as many IMAX options as we do, as many big theaters like as we have. My AMC Stubbs membership felt like I was getting away with robbery because I was getting to see all these cool movies on such a big screen in such a comfortable environment. And now I feel like I'm wasting money on my Stubs because every time I go, I'm like, this isn't worth the money.
0: Yeah, the quality's down. I can understand that for sure.
1: It's rough going. Yeah, I definitely think in the future, wherever I move, I'm going to have to move based around the quality of the theater.
0: Did they not have a uh, a Regal Cinemas over there or is it just Carmite or AMC? Well,
1: they do have Regals too. I'm flirting with the idea of checking out some of the Regals and seeing what they're like. And if the Regals are a step up Because the Regal Dolby screen, I think it's called like RPX or something like that. Or like, they have their own branding for it. So I'm thinking I'm going to try one of those.
0: yeah. I mean, Regal's got the, what is it? The whole environmental experience screen, whatever, where it shoots yeah, wind and water yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah.
1: And they have Screen X too, where they have the screens that go either side, which is something we'll I want to talk about when we get talking about this movie that we're going to talk about today. So Meg 2, worst, worst movie. Would have walked out, but you paid the cash, so you couldn't. It wasn't the AMC Stubbs membership because you would have sat through it. I oh, know you would have walked out. Yeah, you would have walked out.
0: I probably would have walked out, but it was, you know, $17, $18 for a nighttime movie. is just unheard of, dude. It's crazy. Not for the
1: Meg too. Is it as bad as it looks?
0: So like it, they went sh- a lot of comedy in this and there's really, there's no blood. There's a lot of like shark attacks, but it's like, how many Megalodons can you get out of this area? I mean, all of a sudden there's like five or six and then there's a big ass octopus and then there, it's just absurd, dude. It's, it's so crazy.
1: You know what that is? That's like an HBO, that's like a Max movie for me. It hits Max, I'll watch it at home. That's pretty much how I'd roll with that. Okay, so the movie we're going to be talking about today is The Creator, which just came out, I would say about a week ago, last week, as at the time of recording, it just recently came out. So this is from Wikipedia. The Creator is a 2023 American science fiction film produced and directed by Gareth Edwards, who co-wrote the screenplay with Chris Weitz. The film stars John David Washington, Gemma Chan, Ken Watanabe, who I love. I just I fucking love I'm just gonna get out of the way right now. I know you do.
0: Yes, yeah,
1: love him. Uh, Sturgill Simpson and Alison Janney. Alison Janney, love her too. Wonderful actress. Its plot set in a future impacted by a war between the human race and the forces artificial and the forces of artificial intelligence. Follows an ex special forces agent who is recruited to hunt down and kill. The Creator who has developed a mysterious weapon with the power to end the war by destroying mankind itself but must choose whose side he is on when he discovers what the weapon actually is okay, so just reading that out just reading the plot out of that movie what does that sound like? it sounds like a ton of other movies it really does so I there's such a genre and I didn't come up with this and I, I I'm cribbing this off another podcast that I listened to recently because they were talking about the movie. But they were talking about like similarities this movie has to other movies that it came out beforehand. And they used a really good expression. And they're totally right. It's the uh lone wolf and cub subgenre where you have a grizzled old man protecting uh a young child, be it male or female, and then going on some kind of a road trip, road trip adventure in order to through saving the child they're really saving themselves redeeming something redeeming something they're about a negative trait they have or they could be like a washed up alcoholic a a um i'm trying to think even a good example of this would be true grit uh the, both the original and the cohen brothers remake you know where Rooster cogburn is essentially like a washed up washed up piece of shit it's 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 like a genre it's a subgenre of movies and i didn't really think about it until this other podcast we're talking about it because the whole time when I'm watching the creator, I'm like, I've seen this movie. I've seen it. And th- uh, this isn't me giving a review. I'm not saying whether I like it or dislike it at this point. But we've seen it, correct?
0: Yeah. And it's it's not exclusive to the sci-fi genre of that style. It's every genre has it. drama, uh, stuff like The Road with Viggo Mortensen. There's all types of movies that have that, where it's the older... You know kind of adult who's protecting not even like a the special kid that has special powers but a child that needs help and he's you know the adult already going through his own stuff so yeah it's not exclusive to just you know the style of movie that the creator is either
1: i was thinking of good examples of this and somebody else already brought it up uh, that i heard was the the last of us the video game and the tv show very much along and that is science fiction but you're right outside of science fiction it totally exists i think too there's also another another trope of child with special powers that's like another trope of a genre where yeah i don't know if you saw the movie midnight special it's a great movie i have not huge recommend but that has that special child who uh, adults have to try and protect and uh, they do, do go on a road trip in that movie too. So like, there's two genres. There's the Lone wolf, Curb genre and the special gifted child needs protecting genre in general.
0: There's a movie I watched probably a month ago that is like this. It's a crap movie, but I love it. Uh, Babylon AD with Vin oh, Diesel. Oh, yes. You know, he is protecting the special lady, like teenager girl. And, you know, as soon as I was watching this movie, I started thinking of movies and that popped up and a no, a numerous other ones popped up, but... But yeah, I watched that recently and you're right. It's just like that.
1: Yeah, I just thought it was interesting because I feel like there's a lot of DNA of other movies and other genres in this movie. And I feel like watching this movie, it feels almost like a love letter to those style of movies. It feels like a love letter to like the Terminator movies to, to, it feels like a love letter to 80s action movies.
0: That yeah, exactly. With especially with like the dialogue, with the action stuff, and Allison Janney's character is definitely like a very action '80s Colonel kind of type of character. But yeah, I mean, there's stuff that they took from modern movies like District Nine, AI, which I love the Spielberg AI artificial intelligence movie, um, Ex Machina, iRobot. You know, it's it's they took some older action style, and then they took a lot of the modern day. Uh, sci-fi slash AI stuff and kind of put different scenes. That's, that's part of the movie. Uh, I won't get into it, but it's part of the thing is it kind of felt like they had a collage of, you know, different movies that we've seen before.
1: You know what else I was thinking too? And I was like actually thinking this while I was watching it. The scenes that feel like directly lifted from aliens too. And then within that more modern movies, Edge of Tomorrow, the Doug Liman movie, in the drop ships and any movie that's in a drop ship predator all of these kind of movies it, it's just like there's you could honestly you could list probably about 50 to 60 movies that whilst watching this movie would spring to mind because it's so many apocalypse now springs to mind obviously a lot of war movies
0: rambo 2 popped in my head
1: platoon yeah exactly there's so many movies because it's it just feels like an amalgamation of all these kind of things that the director or is influenced by. That's why some people may find this movie derivative, 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 and not really, really well, but we'll, we'll talk about it when we get into it. I don't want to give away too much. I mentioned the movie was uh, produced and it was actually produced and directed by Gareth Edwards. So what else has Gareth Edwards done? So let's have a look. We'll bring up his filmography. He doesn't have a huge filmography. I've seen all of his movies and I'm guessing Zach, you probably have too. So going back from 2010, his debut movie is a movie called Monsters.
0: Yes. Awesome movie.
1: And that was a Redbox special. I Like that, talk about a Redbox movie. That movie I think is wonderful. So he was the director of photography, did the visual effects and the production designer for that. So it's very much like he had his fingers in a lot of pies when he was coming out there. And I think this was his calling card. And I remember at the time, this is a very low budget movie and the special effects were great for the time.
0: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: And I think that's one of his real talents, like his real talents going through. And we'll talk about it with the creator too. There is a sequel to Monsters. Have you seen it?
0: No, I didn't know there was a sequel.
1: Yeah, but it's not him. So I'm guessing that put him on the radar for a lot of people because he was chosen to direct in 2014 the Godzilla movie, which I believe is the first of that reboot run of the Monarch Godzilla movies, which now incorporate King Kong, correct?
0: Yes, correct. That was the first one to start off with.
1: And pretty good. Actually, it's my favorite of all of them, I would probably say.
0: I agree. Uh, They got a little more crappier a little more cheese not cheesier but just a little more hokey i guess you know a little too much comedy and stuff like that
1: i feel like yeah they definitely dropped off i feel like he was playing the first one pretty straight it feels a lot more a lot more adult a lot more serious less goofy
0: brian cranston as the dad and he was legit great acting you know because at the beginning his wife going down the tunnel trying to and it's it's more of a serious take on it so yeah and real quick about uh, the director, I was reading that he basically learned to do the uh, visual effects and stuff like taught himself on his computer and stuff like that. That's wild. I guess for his first movie, I'm sure he got a lot of and you know, a lot of skill and practice doing that for sure.
1: So following 2014's Godzilla, then he popped off in 2016 with Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Once we were aware that J.J. Abrams was rebooting, or Disney was going to reboot Star Wars when they bought the rights to it, and Abrams was on board, and then we got the first trailer for Force Awakens, and everybody was like super hyped, and everybody's going to get ready to go back in it. To this day, I believe the one movie from that run post-Force Awakens, post-Disney purchasing, that people still hold up and say is the best is Rogue One that is everybody's favorite.
0: It's such a separate story but it's done in a to me a far more serious way. I like the characters are a lot more developed. Uh so yeah, I can agree with that, no doubt.
1: I think the reason why it's successful and I've seen all of them. Like I I'm, I'm not a it's I don't really have a horse in the race. I'm not a Star Wars guy, but I've seen all of them. And I think the reason why people latch onto Rogue One is just what you said. It's, I think, what people wanted. They want different stories. It's it's a movie that's not about one of the Skywalkers. It's a movie that's not about the Force. It's a movie that is a straight-up war movie that takes place during a rebellion. And I feel like people were, don't give us the same movie we just had. Don't give us the star. We want to see more things in the Star Wars universe, but why can't we do all these interesting new side stories and I think that's the route they should have went down instead of doubling back down on the solo movie and then the two sequels to Force Awakens and I, I eventually like I think that they shot themselves in the foot. They were going in the right direction with Rogue One and they should have stuck with that.
0: Kathleen Kennedy kept trying to squeeze that sponge out to get as much Star Wars as you could get out at one time, but yeah, it's like they just it was so old. I didn't even watch the last Star Wars just because. I didn't feel any need, but Rogue One, I've seen that movie probably 12 times. And it's just because, you know, Mads Melkison's in it. And it's just a fresh story, even when, like, because we've all seen the Star Wars movies, the old ones, a billion times. We all know them. But, you know, when Rogue One came out, it was, it was like the first fresh Star Wars story that had nothing to do with any of the Skywalker stuff, really. So, yeah, that movie's great.
1: It's been a while in because, really, 2016 2023 so that's a seven-year gap now obviously the pandemic would have put, took took two years off him so we'll say it's like a five-year gap essentially and the creator comes out in 2023 so that is a big a big gap and i'm kind of curious to see like i don't know but i'm kind of curious if he had other projects he was working on other things he was thinking about setting up things that might have fallen through things that he might have been attached to that he wasn't like didn't come to fruition. We will talk a little bit more about him. I think Eric's joining us. We'll see if he actually manages to get himself connected. Yeah, I'm here. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, he's here. Oh, here here he is. Here he is. We can hear you, Eric, but we can't see you.
2: Oh, I thought it was turned on. Okay, hold on.
0: Let's see that handsome face. (laughs) Good enough.
1: (laughs) Good enough. It'll do. Okay, Gareth Edwards, Eric. We've just been talking about him. He was born on the 13th of July, 1975 in Nuneaton, Warwickshire. He's of Welsh parentage. That's irrelevant. I don't know why I'm reading that out. Who cares where he's from? <laughs> um, but he's always he said he always wanted to dire- direct his own films since childhood, stating that Star Wars is definitely the reason that I wanted to become a filmmaker. Now, I think that says so much about him. If Star Wars is the reason you want to become a filmmaker, that really, really resonates in the creator when you watch the creator because there's so much visual cues i think in the crater that's taken from star wars there's a ton of visual elements directly lifted from it and i think that's the kind of movie the style he's trying to make
2: yeah did i mean did you already talk about how like w- what you were thinking about uh while you were watching it like as far as influences like the move the other movies that you saw within it
1: yeah. And it's so funny that you, that's the first thing you bring, bring up because me and Zach just listed off a ton of movies where we're thinking, let me ask you this, Eric, what, cause the whole time I'm watching the creator, I'm just thinking about all these other movies, <laughs> like literally the whole time I'm watching it. How about you? What sprung to mind?
2: Well, I, I, you probably already mentioned it, but like the, one of the first things that popped into my mind was Elysium, especially like later on in the movie a little, little small bits of like blade runner are in there star wars is obvious and what which which other ones did you guys bring up because i'm probably just forgetting some right now
0: uh i said a mixture of you know district nine certain avatar scenes that look like avatar for sure um a little iRobot. there was one scene uh specifically that was basically from x-men futures day past or days of future past when they're in the uh the future area. There's a scene and kind of the same type of feel that goes with the uh, the creator scene that I'm thinking of.
1: I think um, there's obviously a lot of uh, 70s war movies. I think there's a lot of uh, any Vietnam war movie is pretty much in the apocalypse Oh, now. I was Yeah, I was gonna say Apocalypse Now is like definitely all over this. Like you said, Blade Runner, there's a few scenes I was definitely thinking of Blade Runner. A few scenes I was definitely thinking Star Wars, the original trilogy for sure. There is. I I mentioned as Act Two, Aliens. Anything involving a dropship. Anything involving a (laughs) ragtag crew of mercenaries. Predator. The list goes on and on. We've already talked, but yeah, it's funny. You. It's funny that's the first thing you mentioned because the whole time I'm just watching it and and like so. He was born in 1975, which makes sense. It makes sense that he grew up on a lot of the same movies that we grew up on. And it also makes sense watching this, what his influences are, because it's the stuff that we grew up watching, the sci-fi action movies that we grew up watching, because it's all over this movie, 100%. And I think really there's not too much to really go into about him. I think he's very, he's an interesting director. I think he's obviously clearly... And I'm guessing this is why he's getting these these movies is because I think he is very capable of making something that looks incredible for not a lot of money because apparently this movie only costs like eighty million dollars to make, which wow. yep yep is cheap when you think about because uh if you were to compare it to I'm trying to think. If you were, I'm trying to think of what you could come, like say for example, Ant-Man and, or, or even like Avatar or something like that. Those movies are in the hundreds of millions of dollars.
0: Yeah. Indiana Jones was like 400 million or something like
1: that. (laughs) That's wild. Was it? Well, okay. So, and I've seen that movie and I'll say this, this movie looks better than any other movie I've seen this year. Hands down. I'm not saying it's particularly my favorite look for a movie, but it is the best looking movie of the year without a doubt. And I also think this movie is not to get too far ahead. I think this movie has incredible CGI to the point where it feels oh, yeah. almost seamless. The CGI is really good. It doesn't feel jarring at all. Um, So I'll definitely give it that.
0: Give me, you know, with, have y'all seen Chappie? Yeah.
1: Yes. Huge Chappie vibes. I think the whole time I'm watching it, I'm getting, um, what's the director of District 9, Chappie, Elysium? Uh, Blomquist? Neil Blomkamp. Neil Blomkamp. Blomkamp. Yep. 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 The, the whole time I'm watching it, I'm getting vibes of him the whole time. And especially in the design of the robots. The design of the robots might, well, might as well be straight up lifted from Chappie. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah.
0: Which is not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing but no, you know, in no. terms of you you want to be unique and set yourself apart and stuff like that, which maybe he didn't want to, but at the same time, if you're going this much into like artificial intelligence and robotics and stuff, you know, a little difference would be, you know. I'd be kind
2: of curious to know what the different budget was between this and Rogue One, you know, his other movie, because I think this looks better than Rogue
1: One. I agree. I actually think it does too. I'm guessing Rogue One was at least $160 I And mean, There's no way they were making Rogue One for less than $100 million. Like, mm-hmm. no way. No. Not no a Star way. Wars movie. And granted, that movie was going to take a lot more money. Rogue One is obviously... I, I'd be curious to see how well this movie does at the box. I'm not really a box office guy. I don't really care about how much m- m- uh, money movies make. But I am curious to see if this movie is qualified as a success.
0: Yeah, and with the uh, special effects, you know, I'm kind of interested to see what company did this for 85 80 million dollars. <laughs> so you can make it this look this good but there's uh, there's other companies that are you know saying they need 200 300 million dollars to make a movie that looks that good.
1: I think it's ILM. Uh, I think it was Industrial Light Magic, I think. Oh, okay. From start to finish the movie looks absolutely incredible. I don't think the movie sounds incredible because I do not really know that nothing really from the score stuck out to me but visually I think the movie is 100% a success. Like it's wildly wildly pretty from start to finish
2: the, those are the pros now here come the cons <laughs>
1: <laughs> well we'll get into it we'll get into it okay so I, i'll tell you what give me your guys i want to hear where you were on the hype train with this and like going into it where you were in terms of anticipation because i kind of feel like although i've seen this trailer 157 million times at amc I just don't think there was any pre-hype for this movie at all because I don't think people were like hype it. I, it just feels like it went, by the time it actually came out, I'm like, oh shit, that movie's finally out. <laughs> um, so I want to know where you were on the hype train, what your anticipation was going into it, and then I want to hear your initial spoiler-free verdict. Since Eric's late to the party, I'm going to go to Zach first and then we'll go Eric and I'll go last. So Zach, over to you, bud.
0: From watching the trailer, I've only only watched it twice. And I think what snagged me was the slowdown version of Aerosmith, because it made it seem like this was going to be a more serious toned, I guess, with like action mixed in with more of a serious take on AI. So I was pretty hyped for it. I thought it was gonna be a different type of sci-fi action drama. Um, so going in, I was pretty excited. Now, I thought there was going to be two different types of movies I was going to see when I came out. It was either going to be, like I said, a really character-driven storyline about AI and, you know, how they interact and the human interactions and stuff like that with some battle scenes mixed into it to kind of give it the pace it needs to pick up and whatnot, really great special effects and stuff. Or the other side was it was going to be a straight-up sci-fi action avatar type of movie. Where you know the characters are kind of second to the action and stuff like that. Maybe the topics they're wanting to talk about aren't really, really gotten into very well. I feel like I got the second option, which I'm not saying it was a bad movie. I was entertained by it as a sci-fi action flick about AI robots, you know, versus humanity. But I feel like there was too many plot holes right at the beginning that kind of threw me off. I got that the movie, was it was super incredible. It really was. The visual effects are great. But at the beginning, right at the beginning with the relationship between, I guess, Jonathan and Maya, I won't give anything away, but I felt like I couldn't connect with any of the characters throughout. Like, there's different duos of characters or sets of characters that, you know, like you said, there's the lone wolf and the cub kind of aspect going on. But I thought it just, it got to the points I wanted to talk about with AI, and then it just kind of on the surface scooted by to a next action scene or a next, you know, have to evade scene. Um, so I didn't connect with it because I thought the trailer, I was going to be really into like an ex machina or a an AI artificial intelligence, Steven Spielberg mix where you had great visuals, but like even artificial intelligence uh, with Haley Joel Osment, there's some serious like character stuff about contemplation about being human or not being human. And that's all within this, huge Spielberg world. And they, I really connect with that movie. And then with the ex machina, you know, that's a whole just test on what do you think about that type of artificial or fake artificial intelligence kind of stuff. So I was, I was, I was disappointed just because I got more of a straight action movie that I've seen a bunch, like we just talked about, we've seen a bunch of different times kind of mesh together, but I thought that you know the main relationship that was supposed to push Joshua through this whole movie, just I didn't have a connection to it. So I was more enjoying the action stuff, which at the end of the movie, I kind of was pissed because I wanted a more serious dialogue-based movie, I guess you could say, with AI, where it was just, I guess, just more toned down and serious because the trailer showed the action, you know, the battle scenes, but I thought it was going to be more... I guess just introspective. I don't know, more celestial, you know, more detailed about like humanity and the AI. So that was just me though.
2: Eric. Uh, my hype <clears throat> I didn't have a lot of hype like going into it because I feel like I saw the trailer. I was like, "Oh, that looks interesting." I'm a little bit opposite when the with the Aerosmith stuff. I'm like, <laughs> I'm kind of tired of them like dredging up old rock songs or like songs of the 90s or whatever to to sell a movie to me, you know, like a Led Zeppelin song in one of the the Guardians of the Galaxy trailers or something like that. It's just like they seem to to be kind of going in that direction with the, with the music selections. And it just kind of seems silly to me. I want to say like Zach, I saw the trailer a couple times and then I was like, oh, I mean, that'll be interesting. That'll be, I was thinking that'll be an interesting end of the year movie. And then out of nowhere, it was like, oh, it's opening this weekend. i was like, what? I I had no idea. I had like I had no idea it was opening up this soon, and then so my anticipation for it was just kind of wasn't wasn't super high. But I but I do I, out of all like to say this if we're just talking Star Wars, I'm not a a huge Star Wars fan by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, people who know me know I I have very harsh feelings about <laughs> Star Wars. But of all of them, all the past ones. Or the newer ones that have come up. Uh, Rogue One was by far my favorite because spoiler alert: everyone dies. So I thought that was oh, that's nice. That's refreshing. <laughs> you know, that's a fun <laughs> little take, even though you kind of know what's going to happen. A- and I like the way it looked, and it, it to me it looked a lot different than uh, everything else that the uh, in the Star Wars universe that's been put out thus far. The story itself, like like I think Zach and myself we're kind of on the same page visually it looks great there's a lot of great things to see in there story wise it just it took me out of it and we'll get into it a little bit later but there's a there is a couple different loopholes that happened that that's all i could do was concentrate on on that aspect of it like i like i was thinking to myself If this is is happening, why isn't this happening sort of deal? And then you get a love story in there where I really didn't care that much. And then the connection between the two characters that you're following throughout through most of it. I didn't I didn't get the connection. I didn't feel it that much. So to me, it was a lot of. Style over substance in the end. It's a great movie to look at. If you just want to have like a fun time watching an action movie, great. I mean, I think it's for you. But if you're looking for something deeper on the subject matter, you're not going to get it here, as far as I'm
1: concerned. It's funny because going into this movie, we'd all talked about seeing it and maybe doing it for an episode. I was super curious the minute I saw this movie, because I think I saw the movie like the day before you guys did. Because you guys went together, didn't you? So the day before you guys went, I think I saw the movie. And as soon as I, well, actually even watching the movie, all I could think of was like, I wonder what Zach and Eric are going to say about this. Because (laughs) I immediately, I would say within the first 20 minutes, I'd already, I knew what I thought of the movie. Like I knew nothing was going to change it. I knew exactly what kind of a movie this was. I knew exactly how I was going to think about it within 20 minutes of seeing the movie. And honestly, I'm right there with both of you. I'm right there with you. I'm very middling on on the movie as a whole. I don't think I was very hyped to see it. I think that the trailer showed so much that going into it, I was like, well, I feel like I've already seen this fucking movie through the trailer and because what the trailer was showing me. So the only reason that was really pulling me in was because i thought it looked really cool visually so i was like that was what was really pulling me in and that is basically what i got out of it i think it's like i said before i think the movie looks incredible i think that the movie if the rest of the movie could match the way it looked it would be like an all-timer it would be like a i wouldn't say like a blade runner but it would be like a blade runner 2049 because visually if if everything was on that same level It would be a hell of a fucking movie. It's just not though. That's the problem is there's only one thing operating on that level. And that's the way it looks, the CGI, the on location shooting, which looks beautiful. I feel like I'm going all over the world. And I said this when I came out of the movie and I mean this sincerely. I felt completely transported to wherever this was when I was watching the movie because it was so fucking opulent visually that I was like, I feel like I'm here. The set design was incredible. The location shots were incredible. The lighting's incredible from where you're in like the rice paddies in the fields at the beginning of the movie to like the, the mountains. And then when you also go to that futuristic city with the very blade runner esque lighting in the rain and everything, I felt like I was like, this is a whole living, breathing world. And I want to be in this world and I want to watch stuff that's going on in the world. The problem with that is, is that I'm being forced to watch a story played by, and I'm going to be fucking brutally honest, again played by an actor who cannot fucking lead a movie to save his life <laughs> yeah and then i'm i'm being forced to try and buy in to this narrative which is a movie i've seen a hundred times before i've seen better versions of this movie before everything else around the movie just doesn't work it just fundamentally doesn't work there's no chemistry between we're supposed to buy into the fact that there is a uh, romantic re- this isn't spoilers this is ro- romantic if you've seen the trailer you've seen the fucking whole movie anyway so <laughs> There's a romantic relationship between Gemma Chan and John David Washington, and both of them are incredibly attractive human beings. Both of them have zero chemistry with each other. none. no chemistry whatsoever. And it's not even so much their fault is the movie doesn't even write in anything that is even believable between the two of them. We're just introduced to them as a couple and then we get a tiny like um, flashback to how they meet. and then that's it. And then we're supposed to believe it's like this love that will last forever. There's just so much about the movie that's just rushed through and there's no time given to it. The whole time I'm watching it, I kept thinking to myself, and it's funny because I heard this on another podcast and I'm not stealing this from the other podcast. They actually said the same thing I was thinking. And what I was thinking is, is this should be a TV show because there's so much going on. It needs more time. You need to, you need time to develop this because the whole setup with the AI, the introduction of AI robots helping out in everyday life—we've seen it. Yeah, we have iRobot. We've seen all of it. But it's interesting, and I want to know what I want to. I I need the backstory. I need to know the run-up to when this this bomb that goes off. I need to know what I find like the machinations of the plot more interesting than the characters who are being asked to follow throughout the plot. Like I think the whole division between uh mankind and AI, and the fact that you have this modern Asia where it is basically the world's like kind of separated off and then you have robots living and coexisting all of that's fascinating and it's interesting and i like to see all the shots of the robots doing things and all of everything everything about this universe is fascinating the fucking story is just <laughs> the story that we asked I, no, I don't care about it the little girl who is the ai robot who she, she's basically the weapon She's fantastic. She's very cute. She does exactly what she needs to be in one of these movies. She's adorable. She can she she has presence. She captures the screen when she's on. I'd watch a movie about her. She is out acting John David Washington in almost every scene. And now I don't know if it just sounds like I'm beating up on this guy and I'm like being a dick about him. But like I can't be the only person that thinks he's just he just doesn't have it. He's just not he's not <laughs> no. captivating. Yeah. He's not.
0: I think it's I think it's because his dad is Denzel Washington, so that gives him kind of a leg up a bit on some auditions, I would think.
1: <laughs> oh, I'm sure. And like, don't get me wrong, I think he's good in Black Klansman. Yeah,
0: I, oh, I like that I, movie know? for sure. But but
1: like post Black Klansman, every time I see him in a movie, he just he just doesn't. I don't know what it is. He I I like I I feel like I'm watching him act my whole time. I'm thinking
2: I don't understand what everybody's motivations are. The only character that I thought had a little bit of development and I could buy into their motivations was Alison Jennings. Like that character right She's there is the like most you interesting know exactly character. what her character is, you know what her motivations are. Everything that she is doing or does in the movie has a reason why, and it's backed up because she gets a little bit of dialogue that gives a little bit of backstory. But the choices that that character makes tracks with that motivation and nobody else that i that i'm thinking of right now nobody else really has a good motivation to be doing what they're doing i mean even the the loves the whole love story thing is it's a it's a bit i don't know i i mean you you've seen it before you've seen it a billion times uh, before in different movies and better movies
0: yeah and they give you they give you no time they don't paste that love story out or there's a lot of a lot of connection a lot of relationships in that movie that you are want like his friend who has the uh simian uh wife whatever you know his uh his buddy i can't remember his name but like that was a i was more connected with that so you know where she offers the kid ice cream and whatnot like that was like you could go into like how they could live together as you know a couple and stuff like that but they don't give any time to any like of the social stuff, like the issues or any of like the, the connectivity between AI and humans. So yeah.
2: Another thing that kind of took me out of it too was the humor. Did anybody else find the humor just out of left field in a way there were, there were scenes in there where, where it was like there's action, 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 and then something happens, something like crazy happens. And then out of nowhere, you just get this one liner of comedy and it's like that makes no sense that makes no sense why that would happen why that character would say that it's just
1: silly it's one thing to have tonal inaccuracies or like to swing tonally but it's another thing where nothing else budges and then there's a joke and then it goes back to being because it's a pretty dour movie all all in this could be more fun i feel like it's not if you were to go back and watch one of the movies that this movie is clearly influenced by, like the likes of Aliens, or if you were to, I don't know, any of the movies that we mentioned before, there's a through line where those movies are kind of fun. This movie is pretty dour. It's pretty like, it's not dour in a way that it's grim and dark and depressing. It's not, it's not even that. It's just kind of dull a little bit in tone. And there's as great as the movie looks and as fabulous as the effects are, there's not really very many good action set pieces for an action movie there's i would say there's two and dear listener it's spoilers so we're not taking a break this episode we'll run right through we're into spoilers because i think that's us really <laughs> get it let's hash it out i think there's two good action set set pieces i think the one where they're sending in the runner robots that run across the bridge to blow up i think that's visually really cool and i think that's a pretty like thrilling section because you don't know what's going to happen it's surrounded the, the, that's just like one little part of this bigger action set piece that is just your typical, you know what I mean? Tanks rolling in through town, people getting blown up, usual kind of shit. And then I think the second good action set piece is towards the end where he's attached to the conveyor belt that's dropping bombs and he's swinging around and you don't know when he's going to drop and eventually, well, it happens exactly how you think. He gets to the very end and he's <laughs> standing on the bomb that's about to drop and then it stops because she stops the, which is exactly what you think is going to happen. But that was kind of thrilling, at least like it was like well shot and like well paced and I could tell what was going on. But for an action movie, though, there's not really there's no like exciting chases. Nothing's really that exciting.
2: Yeah, it's just a lot of like gunfights and that you've experienced in every Marvel movie from here to the end of time.
0: OK, I got a question here. So, it, you know, it describes the West kind of making it seem just the U.S. is against New Asia and the West is against A.I., what happened? What is where is Europe and Russia and Africa and Australia and all this? I mean, they also would have AI, I would think too. Are they in with the U.S. or are they separate? That was a big thing right off the beginning that I wanted to know. Is like, what about the rest of the world besides these two just one places you're talking about? Yeah, it's very broad strokes.
2: That's a good question because one one of the other things that I was found kind of confusing was as I as I was watching it, as they were this invading force into um I forget what it was called it was like New Asia something like that they almost seemed like they were just strolling around and I couldn't figure out who's on whose side who's gonna attack who because uh, it, it just seemed like they were using you had your invading army but then you had your police force I I couldn't I couldn't follow who the police force whose side were they on it just it got a little bit convoluted there in, in the middle because it, it didn't make sense. Who was looking for who? Why were they looking for this person? Everybody kind of seemed to have the same—not motivation, but I—I don't, I don't know. It—it it, just—it seemed like nobody knew what was going on the entire time, and that, that just kind of le- left me a little flat with it. It gets really
1: muddled there in the middle. You're right, especially with the U.S. forces, and then you have the the rebel faction uh, with Ken Watanabe and the. I do think. Side note, though, the of the rebels. There's Ken Watanabe who's a, a, a robot, but then there's another robot who's just doesn't have a human face. He's just a robot. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I know you're talking about.
1: He's pretty badass. I think that robot's cool as shit. And like the whole, I'm watching. I'm like, that's like, I'd like to watch his story. Yeah, or that, yeah. whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but like, and then you also have in what's it? Zach, New Asia. It's called New Asia. I think. I think New, it was Asia. Called New Asia. Yeah, New Asia. Yeah. Yeah. So in New Asia, you also have robot police forces, and then are they operating with the rebels? <laughs> are they operating? Yeah. So it gets like kind of confusing. I couldn't understand whose
2: whose side is everybody on. Who? Why would the Why would the police faction of New Asia be against a rebel faction that it, they're fighting for the same thing? Aren't they for the rights of robots? Yeah, and yeah. it, it didn't make sense.
0: Well, that was my thing. Is that like in the middle of that scene you're talking about and stuff they pull out this whole social thing with you know the cops beating the civilians and the cops like being over like the robot cops being overly aggressive so like they're talking about how like ai you can transfer your consciousness i thought that was an interesting story that maybe are they transferring you know human police officers or human army people's consciousness and then you, you'll still get you know police that'll sit there and you know beat the civilians and you know uh go over aggressive on them. so like in the middle of all this action scene there's like one story like scene like social scene that i would like you know something about but it just kind of got pushed in the middle
1: yeah i think there's probably like a hundred stories that you could tell that exist within this universe that'd be fascinating and really interesting in, we, we just got the most generic, boring hero adventure story <laughs> rather than anything else that could have been, you know what I mean? Like kind of, because you think about it too. So we're talking about like the, la- the lack of chemistry between, and Zach, you brought this up and I want to touch back on what you said. John David Washington and, and Chan. the- well, we'll get into her character too, because her character is confusing too. Like that whole subplot <laughs> with her is super confusing. Oh,
2: yeah, don't let me forget this. I have a major question that is yeah. Towards we, the we're going to talk yeah, about yeah,
1: them. Yeah, yeah, we don't really buy their love love story, but Zach brought this up too. His friend, who was also undercover with him, who. Uh, we get introduced to the beginning of the movie where he breaks into the house and he and he starts talking to him and he drops his cover. That's how Gemma Chan finds out that he's a, he's he's a double agent or what have you. Flash forward five years later, and then we are reintroduced to that character, and that character has gone from being a US special forces agent sent to destroy and hunt robots to living in what looks like some kind of a bootleg robot factory where they're making robots on the cheap. And then he is in what we find out is a romantic relationship with an AI robot. That relationship is fucking fascinating. And when she gets blown up and he's lying there holding her, I'm like, oh, that feels really real. And that feels really genuine. And that's a really interesting, I want to know his story. How did he go from being to that to end up there? five years later what happened in those five years to put him working in that sweatshop or wherever it was in new asia with that lady and their relationship super cool and i think that's super fascinating in if there's a it's feeling of genuine loss when she gets killed and you can see him grieving and then the movie just goes doesn't talk about it again and he's helping him on the next part of his adventure as if nothing ever happened before he ultimately gets killed but the movie the the movie does that it introduces stuff and then moves on and and the fact of the matter is if, if that tiny little hint of a subplot has more chemistry and more believability and more intrigue of a relation like the whole thing with um the david washington character towards the end where he's trying to reconnect and they they do that thing that you're talking about with the transferring of consciousness via a usb flash drive between people (laughs) and then it gets like super muddled (laughs) there's no emotional weight or gravity to that because the movie's just it's half telling all of these stories and it needs to find one stick to it and tell it in a good way or like i said become a tv show and start exploring all these different stories because it's just Such an interesting world.
0: I mean, especially at the beginning, when you're banking on the Joshua and Maya character love story is going to drive Joshua the entire movie, and you want an audience to go with him on that, and you give him maybe three or four minutes with her at the beginning. And I'm sorry, there's no way she survives that nuclear blast. That's like a tactical nuke that blows (laughs) her up. (laughs) I I just find it so impossible. That's a loophole for me right there.
1: Yeah, she's in a coma, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? She would be eviscerable. No she,
2: burns, like, nothing. Yeah, she'd be crispy, if anything. <laughs>
0: God, she looked look like Freddy Krueger, dude, or Deadpool.
1: And like, Eric, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's get into that, because... <laughs> are you going to say what I think? Like, I'll tell you my my boner contention, or the thing that really threw me with that. Go is for it, yeah. He is there to track down, and keep an eye out, <laughs> at least second time he goes back, to find the weapon... They ultimately want to get rid of this creator, the person who is in charge, who invented the AI. Now, Normata, did I just fall asleep, or did all of a sudden they donate? They were killed, and now she—that's her father—and she is now the new creator. Correct? Yeah. Yes. Was his consciousness transferred into his daughter? I
2: don't think so. I, I think uh, he just passed along some sort of knowledge to her but i don't think his consciousness was usb'd into her now.
1: Okay, so what what's your beat?
2: Mine well <laughs> uh, i'll give you okay. i'll give you a couple. I'll give you a couple. So at, at the end when they're on, you know, this Elysium ship basically. It's totally an Elysium <laughs> ship. Elys- yeah, Elysium, Elysium, i forget. There is a warehouse basically full of Mayas. Maya's is her name, right? Yeah. Yeah why 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 are there like a hundred of hers of specifically just her in the entire thing why why wouldn't it just be a random assortment of a bunch of different ai so so everybody who was working on that ship the nomad everybody who was working on that nomad was maya was a maya ai because it seems to me like that that's what they're repopulating the ship with if something goes wrong they're just going to pull a new ai and it's just going to be her how is that happening why how is that a thing no explanation <laughs> no, given to that no whatsoever. explanation At least if
1: there is i missed it well there, there's like a there's a
2: tiny tiny little little like blip where where he was like oh i i thought i saw maya on the uh, on the bus and, and they're like oh yeah she probably just sold her her likeness rights or her image to make new robots so the robots that they pick are the person that they're tracking the whole time. And they just made hundreds of them. It's why would you do that when you're trying to track this one person? Why <laughs> throw an overpopulation of this one person into the world to make it impossible to find her?
0: Yeah. You got me, dog.
2: <laughs> Number two. <laughs> Number two. And it's the biggest one. It's the biggest one. And we talked about this, second. it was so funny. So their main thing is to protect Nomad. The the United States Army is to protect Nomad because it's what's winning the war against AI. And the AI side is about getting the creator or the weapon onto the ship and blowing up Nomad, right? So we know that's going to happen. There, there's, there's no way of getting around it. And the Army has to know that's going to happen at some point too. At some point, something is going to happen where there's going to be a weapon there's going to be some sort of sabotage that happens on that ship and that's the thing that is that's their that's the thing that is winning everything for them and they established early early on in the movie that it took them 10 years to make this ship but they're just counting on this one ship why wouldn't they be knowing the knowing the, the military and how their intelligence and they and they think of everything and they're like a hundred steps ahead of everything typically why would they just make one ship why after a decade after 10 years wouldn't they just start making a surplus of these ships did they're just in mass production right from the beginning but no they just have one and uh, it's going to get destroyed they have to know this one way or the other. And it's like, oh, well, we just didn't make another one. That's so ridiculous. That's so silly. Here's
1: one. I mean, well, the rebels have got to blow up the death stock. Yeah. Because right? I mean, <laughs> that's literally all I'm fucking watching this time around. Here's another one that does it. Like, this is one that really bugged me when I watched it and it came up. So Washington and Chan are in this relationship. She's pregnant, correct? Yeah. And they're expecting the child. What point... Um, maybe I just didn't, I don't know if I was, maybe I'm not just paying attention to this movie. When was she building the AI child?
0: Before, I think. I think it was before she actually died. She had already, she already scanned it.
1: Okay. She's already, right. okay. So hear me out. <laughs> she was dating Washington whilst building that robot child and they were living together on the run together as a couple, Correct yeah, but I don't did he not fucking notice no. her going to somewhere to how long does it take you to build by hand one person, the most advanced robot child ever made in their dating and then this living relationship? And at no point he's like, You haven't been home for like sixteen hours. What are you been <laughs> doing?? Why are you going? Like, yeah, be yeah, because in the beginning, he would be following her everywhere
2: because that's his job to to infiltrate, basically their, their secret society to, to get to the, the creator, you know, to get to the main, he would be watching her like a hawk the entire time. There's no way that she could have built that uh just in secret the entire time. Impossible.
0: Did she just scan the baby embryo or did she I can't remember if she started building it or just scanned the embryo before I, I she don't remember. Died I don't remember. Up.
1: I I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. I don't think I don't even know if it's explained. If it is if it is, listener, write in and tell us about how wrong we are. But um yeah, it's very vague when it comes to that kind of stuff. And I what I was gonna say though is I do like there's one interesting thing going on. And it's probably just accidental. It's probably more a case of bad writing and poor character (laughs) development. But it's kind of interesting how Washington is special forces and he's going over there with the intention of infiltrating. So he flips, becomes double agent, goes undercover. Then he falls for Gemma Chan's character. Okay. And then when the the army show up on the door, it's difficult to tell if he is, it's not, it, it never really feels like he's taken on the cause with her. It feels like he's just, he's just into her. So he's going along with the cause, but he's not really committed to the cause. And then when we send him back five years later, it feels like he's only really going back to see if she's there. And he's still not really, he doesn't really feel committed to the American cause. And then when he gets there and he starts going through all the run-ins, it takes him a long time to kind of like connect with the child, which really doesn't pull him back into. So he seems almost non-committal on either side throughout the whole movie on every like almost non-committal on every side yeah (laughs) that's either because they haven't written him very well or if it makes him more interesting though in a way because he doesn't really play sides he's just really in it for, for what he wants which is her he doesn't he's not really playing her side or their side until the very end where ultimately he does but i like i do like how vague he is but i think again that's an accident i don't think it's written that way that's fair.
2: That's fair. Yeah, I mean, I because I never buy the bought the uh, relationship between him and the child at all. I ne- I never did.
0: I mean, she was she was great. I mean, she had the only decent line I liked, which I mean, it's in the trailer, I think, too, is the you know the heavens when they're talking about heaven and stuff like that. I mean, she she had the best line.
1: Yeah, and I won't get that because I'm not. A and person. I won't
0: get in there. Cause, Yeah, that's like the only really deep line that I can even recall from that movie.
1: I do like that line. I think it's good. The only other positive thing I will say about the movie, it's tied back into what you were complaining about at the beginning from the trailer, Eric, was, you know, the Dream On, the Aerosmith song, and the use of classic rock, and the use of a famous song in a trailer to try and hook you in there is a really good needle drop though when they play radiohead uh during the landing when they go back down and they for some reason they was well, everything in its right place yeah it fits this the music fit it fits it's it's really really good use of music because the it just fits with the whole vibe and like that's a vibe that whole section of the movie when that was going on the beginning of the movie, I was kind of like, mm, And then obviously I, I had a feeling it just was going to be like a six out of ten when I started watching. I was like, this is like a five or a six out of ten. Like it's not terrible, but it's not going to be great either. That one scene, part of me was like, Oh, well, we might have a movie on our hands <laughs> for that scene, because I was like, that's really cool. It tricked you. But it just it it failed failed to live <laughs> up to that.
0: We haven't mentioned the uh scorer, uh Hans Zimmer. You know, I know. he did all the music and I stuff. Just read that. that was crazy to me. Because, you know, I listen to the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtracks all the time and stuff like that. But like, yeah, this one, it was definitely at the beginning, it was a Hans Zimmer type, but then he added, you know, songs to it, like Radiohead and stuff like that. So that was a good mixture, I thought.
1: Yeah, but it's funny though, because I just read that too, and it is Zimmer, but I didn't remember the score being particularly great right, yeah, personal. I was going say to th- say the same thing. I
2: can't even, if I'm thinking about it, I couldn't even remember music in in the movie as far as like the score where if i think of dune i can picture it in my head you know right now exactly
1: and that's zimmer too
0: see that's that's the thing like what i'm saying yeah because like i've listened to han zimmer stuff for so long it's to me it's just like oh this sounds great and stuff like that but it's nothing special i think because sometimes he's done so many that a lot of them sound the same because of the or- the orchestra he uses and the different strings and stuff like that uh it just made me feel like yeah this this is a good uh could be a good musical movie. The ending though, are we gonna talk about the ending? What about it? <laughs> how disappointing and flat it was.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's it was just a non-event because I feel like it ended exactly how you knew it was gonna end. Yeah. It was only gonna end that one way.
0: About to see one more hatch. One more hatch get broken <laughs> and then oh I've gotta i got to send you away. I love you bye. bye. Uh, I was just I've seen it in every sci-fi spaceship movie, underwater movie you know, they got to let, somebody's got to stay behind and save, whatever.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Before even watching this movie, you've seen the end of the movie. Uh, I
0: was going to
2: say, you have. you already brought it up. We, we've seen the Death Star blow up, so. <laughs> exactly.
1: It was just, yeah. And like also too, if the Nomad is so important, why do you staff it with like eight gods? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Where's the jet fighters? Where's the bombers? Where's like the accessory force to help protect the airspace around oh, this that's Oh, that, exactly. that's a
2: great point because you would think they would put it in space, something like that, you know, where it is difficult to get to. It's just in the sky. All the AI has to do is construct like a handful of like, I don't know, kamikaze jets, suicide, whatever. Yeah, just fire them out of rockets, yeah. anything and just constantly a 24 hour just barrage of weaponry at this thing because it's just like right there in the sky i thought the targeting system was pretty cool i i i like that super cool yeah it
1: was really cool it was like again about like the ship itself too almost looks like the ships from tron with the two legs that go down and like a big space invader again you've seen the movie but you've seen the design of the you know, and Blokamp, God bless him. Yeah, you're right. You're thinking of Elysium when you I Elysium's such a better movie. <laughs> yeah. District 9 is such a better movie. I think Blokamp's a real talent. I don't know what happened to him, but he's just a real talent. And yeah, I've seen this movie and everything everything in this movie was seen. We've seen. Yeah. Seen it all. <laughs> and another thing I don't like too is on the run up to the end of the movie, he's basically fleeing on foot. Uh, with, with the, the weapon and they're fleeing on foot after he, she reawakens and they get out of the funeral procession or wherever the fuck they're going to get, to go get cremated or send a bag up to nomad or whatever, and then they're on the run. And then when the space of two seconds, they're on an air, they're on a, they're on a passenger jet and they're going there and it just goes <laughs> beep, beep, beep. It's like A to Z. And then, and what's funny is they're in pursuit of them and they're only like two cars behind them, but for some reason they managed to get to the airport and get in an airplane and get off the ground and they still don't have time to catch them yet and it that bit goes very fast it's like they hit the fast forward button because they're like okay well we're getting there but like let's just get to the end right now so that whole action sequence and that whole chase sequence is so sped up that it's 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 like it feels like within like 3 or 4 minutes of screen time we go from them busting out of that, that thing yeah. and then they're on the nomad it's just like yeah boom.
2: i i have w- another kind of thing with it now that i was thinking about it is they Basically, give him the kill switch on her because she wouldn't let them kill her. Right? You mean to tell me they they captured her and they're not just gonna firebomb her right on the spot? They're gonna because keep. She's just a machine. Yeah, she's just a machine. They're just they're but they're gonna lock her in this like sealed tight vault and go in there and try and like sonic blaster or whatever. But she won't let it happen because what she stops the technology. Just I don't know. Throw a firebomb in there and you're good to go. It's just like, there, there's so much like, it's it's like wishy-washiness to certain characters. Whereas like, you know how they operate. They're just killing people left and right. Why are they just making the weird decisions that they do when they do sort of thing? Final verdict,
1: recommend or not recommend?
0: <laughs> uh, I would max this shit just max it or peacock it
2: yeah i would say if if it's available in imax go see it in imax because i'm sure it looks and sounds good in imax um other than that you you can wait for it to stream i think
1: i agree I, i don't think you need to rush out i think the only reason you should go out and rush out to see this movie is if like you said if it's on a dolby screen or an imax screen and you can see it in the best, biggest, most beautiful screen. See it because it's worth it for that. It's a spectacle. It's definitely, definitely a worth spectacle. it for that. It's a spectacle. Yeah. Um. But other than that, no, you can save it. You can save it to rent it. I don't. I don't dislike the movie. I just don't really particularly yeah. like the movie. I mean, that's I'm fair. Very that's lukewarm. fair.
2: I. I mean, by the end of it, I was just kind of like, That, that was silly. That was kind of ridiculous. But I mean. It, it was really weird. It's like it wasted my time, but it didn't waste my time. So it was like, yeah, it's you're right there in the middle. It's like five out of 10. Yeah. An easy, it's an easy score.
1: Well, let's sunset this. I'm going to go and eat because I'm hungry. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say real quick, just before I go, uh, Zach and I were talking earlier on, Eric, and I was asking Zach if he thinks he's seen his number one movie of the year. Zach's not 100 percent certain that he has seen his hundred number one movie of the year so far, because we've obviously got some bangers coming out towards the end of the year. Eric, have you seen your number one movie of the year? Do you think you gonna be have you seen something that you don't think you're gonna be swung on?
2: To be honest, I have not seen a a lot of movies that I think would make like my top three. I've seen some stuff that that I've definitely put on a list uh that could get knocked off but i don't think i've seen my favorite movie of the year yet there's probably like three or four movies that i have seen one was earlier in the year one was about the halfway point and one was recently but i i'm of the opinion that everything that i think will be on that top top tier is going to happen in probably november december
1: yeah well put it this way you're just waiting on five nights of freddy's on you oh i'm
0: gonna see that don't be laughing i'm gonna I see you, that y'all I know you are zach yeah yeah that was fun guys enjoyed it see ya see
1: you guys okay well that wraps it then <laughs>